friends, welcome to another edition of the Common Room Lounge, uh, where we try to take some real um, pointed and uh, pertinent issues that we're dealing with in our lives in the midst of this COVID virus uh, pandemic and add some theological, sociological perspective to it as people who are seeking to be followers of Christ. So my name is Paul Rock, and I'm one of the pastors at Second Presbyterian Church, and uh, I'm joined by Darcy and Jimmy. Yep, my name is Jimmy, and I also work at Second Pres. I'm the director of Church Life, um, so I do a lot of our hospitality and engagement. And I like thinking these deep thoughts and figuring out what we're going to do to to build bridges, because I think we've got a lot of work to do. Um, I'm Darcy. I've been attending Second for oh, like five or six years now. Um, recently started attending the Common Room. And um, I thought of a hot topic today. So. Yeah, you're a question asker. What's the, <laughs> what's the thought today? Okay, so, um, so lately, you know, there's like this big thing going on called a pandemic. I don't know if, you know, you all have heard about it. Yeah. But uh, um, it's been really interesting thinking about all of the health guidelines that are coming out. So there's the mask wearing guidelines, um, the physical, I'm going to call it physical distancing um, guidelines, and how some people are choosing to follow them for their, their own reasons of um, public health and safety, and, and others, it's really difficult um, for them to, um, they're not comfortable wearing a mask, you know, they're not comfortable physically distancing. And um, there's just even a lot of skepticism about the virus and the information that's coming out about it. And if this many people has really, you know, have really been diagnosed with COVID and have this many people really died. And so, um, so it's just been a really uncomfortable situation, I think, me, with me included. And so it's been really difficult for me to understand the perspective of not following health guidelines. Um, and I think it's just a public safety issue. It, it just makes sense to me to follow the, the guidelines that are put out there. But I also know that it's really difficult for some people to accept that and, and follow the guidelines. And so ultimately, I'm just kind of wondering what it, what's going on with all of this information? What is going on with this distrust that we're having with all of this information? And how do I, as a Christ follower, help to be a part of that healing in, in a really divided world um, without without making it worse, I guess, um, and dividing us more. Like, I really want to understand all the different perspectives around this because it's creating a lot of anxiety in people. But I'm having difficulty processing some of this and figuring out how to do that. So I would appreciate a great conversation. Question. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. This will go a little bit easier if I have a drink. Here we go. Yeah. So, uh, what, so what's going on? I mean, I think the, 
the first part of your question, the way I heard it is, uh, I mean, people are being asked to wear masks when they're in, you know, public spaces and can't be six feet apart. And uh, because we're dealing with a pandemic and it's a, you know, a virus that is spread in particular matter, matter that comes, you know, from our breathing and sneezing or whatever. So it seems like very reasonable that to wear a mask in public would be the right thing to do. And yet the the pushback and and the division and the anger and the, and all that ha that has arisen from that kind of tells you that there's something more going on than that. You know the the, the initial um, uh, kind of reasoning behind it, or the, at least the the verbiage that people are using is this is taking away my freedom. You know you, you hear these rants on different videos that are caught, you know, in, on uh, social media that, you know, when I woke up this morning, I lived in America, what's happening now that I've got to, you know, put a mask on when I go to Costco or something like that. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's wrapped in this idea of freedom and being an American, but you know, uh, that, that I think is, is a simple way to express that. And, and it's been a way that's been sadly kind of modeled by, by leaders. Um, but I think if you just scratch the surface pretty quickly, there's a lot of things as Americans that we have done where we have, you know, curtailed our freedom you know someone you know said recently that that uh you know liberty without responsibility is called adolescence um so you can have all the liberty you want but if you don't have responsibility with it you're just an adolescent like that that's what you you learn how to curtail things you know yeah you, know, you don't you don't just walk into stores with your with no shoes on we've realized that's probably not a dirty safe thing to do and so we've all agreed we're going to do that so you have the freedom to do that you got the liberty to do that so you know, to wear a mask at some places, it's, it's clearly, it's, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good at times. I don't enjoy doing it, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a liberty thing. I don't think it's a freedom American thing. And so I'm just, uh, it's I really, it's, it's really a false binary, right? So it's either a, I have freedom or I don't have freedom. Yeah. In in all actuality, that's just not the reality we live in. We, we don't drink and drive not because we physically don't have the agency to, but because we know it's safe and it's against the law and there, and we agree to those things. It's a social contract that we have to, to not, to limit our freedom. I want to say voluntarily, but it is the law. So I think some people probably don't feel like it's voluntary, but it's not, it's not that clear cut. It's not, you have freedom or don't have freedom. Right. It, and a lot of it is the, I have to wonder sometimes if people feel like they've given up, a lot of freedoms to areas, not like drunk driving, everyone seems to be mostly in agreement on that, but on some of the more controversial issues um, and feeling like if I give a little here, it's just the slippery slope and I'm gonna lose all my ground. And, and I think the politics of what's going on really has people so guarded about feeling like they've given any ground away and something as small as a mask can be that like, chink in the armor it's the display of vulnerability and it's going to get exploited and taken advantage of and then you know we lose everything yeah 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 i think there's definitely bigger things at play that are kind of hidden behind uh, some of the initial uh you know the narrative that's thrown out there about freedom and, and liberty but Dar darcy are there other things that you've seen that you think are kind of behind this that were like what what is this really all about what's going on i mean you're you're a psychologist <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i I feel like in some conversations that I've had with people, it's just, they have a lot of anxiety around it because they just want things to be normal right. and they're just denying reality. And I also come from a small town. And so it's interesting um, with that dynamic as well, because, you know, 
my small town that I grew up in was widely very safe and it was, everybody was friendly. And I think it's really easy to just get in your daily routines of comfort. And when you start to feel uncomfortable and anxious, it's really easy to just deny that these things are going on. And so you just want to try to convince yourself of that narrative. Yeah. Because that, that reality is pretty scary. I mean, to think of 145,000 people being dead and we're not, not even, you know, halfway into this thing, uh, the reality that, uh, that there could be tens of millions of jobs that don't ever come back, uh, the reality that, uh, you know, we won't be able to travel or do things that we've, you know, been had the freedom to do in the past. It's all, it's all really scary stuff or whether it's education or, you know, all, all sorts, this, this just reaches in all corners of our lives and it's, and it's scary and, and you know, as you said that, Darcy, I just thought about one of the things that we talk about in the United States, part of our narrative is the greatest generation. And the greatest generation came out of World War II, right? Um, and it was a whole generation that was kind of born, uh, or when they were young, they lived through the Great Depression. Um, then, you know, had to, everyone had to kind of chip in and get through World War II. And it, and it got everybody kind of used to this fact that I don't get everything I want. Um, life is kind of difficult, but I'm going to put the needs of my country and of my fellow human beings and my neighbors ahead of myself. Um, that it's almost as if we have gone uh, so long uh, without having major crises we've had to deal with as a country that we that we've forgotten how to how to do how to live that way. And it's a really scary perspective, you know, to think that I've got to all of a sudden, you know, change the way I do life or, or live with this crisis as a reality all the time. The people that seem to be having less of a problem with it are people of color. Um, who kind of live a lot of their days and lives in this sense of life is kind of scary. And, and, uh, and so uh, I think it's more kind of the more white um, privileged folks that are having a harder time giving up some of their freedoms or whatever. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's a, it's um, a nat kind of a natural response to being in a crisis. We, we get scared, we get anxious. And, uh, and then as Jimmy was talking about a little bit ago, we typically, what we want to do is we want to take it out on somebody. We, yeah. we got to solve this thing. Yeah, we're always looking for a scapegoat. I think that's just a natural human inclination. And I've seen it happen in places that have been affected by natural disasters, whether it be Hurricane Katrina or, you know, tsunamis or whatever. It's, it's really hard when you don't have someone to blame for the pain, discomfort, or suffering that you're experiencing. And, you know, if there's no person, we tend to either find the closest unrelated issue or sometimes we even turn that on God and we get angry at God for not being able to explain why people are sick or um, why, why we lose everything. And, and that's, that's not actually a, an uncommon part of grieving. And I think that we have to give a lot of grace to people who are afraid. That's an expression of grief or angry. That's an expression of grief. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the politics being so inflamed right now that that, that tends to be the, where the blame lies. When in actuality, it's just like, I don't like my situation and I want it to change. And I don't like thinking about death or suffering or losing people I loved or whatever. Yep. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, if, if there were Nazis, then we could all agree, you know, Nazis are bad and let's, let's pool all our resources and do whatever and fight this thing. But yeah, when it's a virus that you can't really see, uh, you, you tend to want to quantify it and, and find something that you can see that you can blame and, and kind of focus your energies on. And so if that's, if that's people who are trying to make you wear masks, then 
and that's where your that's where your anxiety and energy goes. So I think that's that's one of the I think we've kind of touched on a few of the things that maybe are underneath like what is going on here and it, and it's not just about the mask. So if you try to have a conversation with somebody about this is why you should wear a mask, you're probably I don't know, you're probably going to miss the boat there. It, it probably helps to spend some time to listen to them. And, and, and so kind of shifting to your second part of your question is so like, what do we do about this? How, how do we deal with mitigate this, this, uh, this divisive issue um, about how we, you know, health in a health perspective, respond to this pandemic that we find ourselves in. And I think I would say that, you know, what we don't want to do is, you know, ex exacerbate it by, by getting angry at people or, or scapegoating people who don't wear masks and, and, uh, and condemn or, or up the, up the divisive angry rhetoric at all. I think if we can to try to listen and, and, and understand that there's probably a lot we can share, we're all dealing with the fear, the sadness, the anxiety um, that, that go along with this. And, and if we can get to that level and empathize I think we're going to be in a better place to then have a meaningful conversation with somebody to say, Hey, yeah, this is what I'm dealing with. Gosh, I really hate this part of it, or this is how it's really affected my life. Or, you know, I lost someone or my child couldn't go through graduation or, you know, and, and get to that point of common mourning, common anxiety, common sadness. Um, that's a better place to start than just, you know, going right at the, you know, the mask issue. And, you know, Paul, I think um, as we're talking about this, and we were just processing this a little bit before our before we got on, but this idea of trust and of Darcy to your question, I think there is a a very low level of trust, and I think a lot of people are so scared about being duped or being misled. You know, are the numbers accurate? Are masks really effective? Um, who came up with the numbers, and what political party are they a part of? You know, who who's paying them to do this? And we, we, we have this distrust of the system, this trust of our leadership, this trust of our local government, this trust of our, our medical professionals, and, and then we have distrust with one another. And as we think about this, I think this is a lot bigger than just mask wearing, but, but what are we going to do to build those bridges back? Because I think we're living in crisis times, and so people are feeling the need to respond urgently to things. But bridge building takes an incredible amount of time. Rebuilding trust, if you've ever had your trust broken by someone that you, you loved or someone that was important to you or someone that you were vulnerable with, rebuilding that is really hard and time consuming. So how do you live? I, I kind of get the, the, the tension that you're living in. How do I address the crisis of the moment of, yeah. and I'm hearing stories of like one person, one time went out without a mask and got it. And so you have this sense of urgency and desperation but we have this long, this open gushing wound that's just gonna take a long time to suture up and heal. And what are we gonna do? What does that process look like day to day, conversation to conversation? Yeah. So one of the things you had talked about, Darcy, is what is it, um, like how does it, how does our faith play into this? And, and how, how, is, how does my understanding of what it means to be a, a Christian or a person of faith impact the way I respond to this. And so like, how, how have you attempted to apply your faith to these difficult conversations or this issue? Yeah. Um, so I guess to me, like just the way I think about this is I've really been thinking about like what I can do for the common good. Um, because that's kind of being a Christian, right? Like, that's um, if you look at the acts of Jesus and how 
you know, there were times he went against authority and did other things that were different. And, um, and I just think about, you know, some of the, even the guidance we're getting from governments, you know, and, and the different things that are said about the virus that I don't think is right, but I'm thinking like, it's okay. Like, because as a Christian, I don't think that's right. I'm going to go against it. I'm going to wear a mask. Um, I'm going to keep my distance because I think I'm thinking about keeping other people safe. And I think that's important because the whole message of Jesus was like, love one another, you know, love your God, love one another, um, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, however it goes. But it's just, I think that for me, even though I'm not comfortable wearing a mask and I'm not comfortable living a little bit differently now, it's a really small sacrifice that I can make to work toward the common good, which would be the, the health and safety of others. Even if this whole thing was a hoax, let's say, I, I don't, I personally don't believe it is, but even if it was, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking as a Christ follower, what have we lost, right? <laughs> right. And this is a very small thing I can do. And um, it, it could potentially save lives. And it's just, it's really just thinking about the welfare of other people over my own. Like, of course, I have to protect myself, but it just makes sense to me that an act of love is also protecting other people. So that's just how I've really processed it. It's just kind of been a very straightforward thing to me. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that it has become so politicized. Yeah. You no, know, like I was, I was just thinking how, how cool would it be if all of this had started as a grassroots campaign, you know, like the ice bucket challenge, like what if mask wearing had just become this cool thing that everybody got on board with, maybe even that people of God like initiated and just said, Hey, there's, there's not much we can do, but maybe we could do this and like show off your mask. And we made it a cultural thing would we be having these conversations about, well, mask wearing is stupid or not wearing a mask is stupid and making it so just the vitriol and the hate and the, the disdain and the name calling, all this stuff. Like if it had just started somewhere else, would it really be where it is today? And I think that tells us a lot about, so it's not really about wearing masks, is it? And so we've got to figure out where did that trust really get broken? How, is there some common ground that we can say the safety of one another is important, the safety of our children is important, and, and every little bit helps, you know? And I, I think back to some of these spiritual principles, you know, you look in Philippians where it says, don't do anything selfishly, but look after others' interests as much as your own. Like, Actually, consider a, others' interests more important than your own. More important than your own. Like, you think about these, this idea of sacrifices and and if, if we could get it back to where those were willing sacrifices and not mandated sacrifices, I wonder if it would change everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the, so to me, the, the you know, and I, I, my understanding of who Christ is, and, and like you said, Darcy, it kind of boils down to love, love God, uh, love yourself, love others. And so the way that you really show that you're a follower of Christ is you you put others needs ahead of yourself. You love other people the way you would want to be loved. You care for other people. If there was a, a potential 
that you could get very deathly sick uh, and so you wouldn't want yourself necessarily exposed to, to germs, then you just flip that around. You think about other people that you're walking around with that could potentially be get, you know, get deathly sick from something that I might, you know, unintentionally be carrying. And so it's just, it's, it's a simple, it should be a simple kind of application of this understanding of putting other people's needs ahead of my own, recognizing that my actions have influence on other people's actions. And so I want to be a person who spreads love and care and healing rather than a person who thinks primarily about what's best for me or how my rights are being, you know, perhaps, um, you know, uh, edited or, or, or compromised in one way or another. And I think sadly part, part of what that reflects on the United States too is our, the American Jesus that we have kind of preached for basically since the foundation of our country is that, that Jesus is kind of American uh, and, that, and that we've intertwined this idea of individualism and hard work and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps um, as that's part of what it means to be a Christian. And that's, it really isn't, that's really not at all the Christian message and, and it hasn't been, it wasn't through the centuries, you know, the Christianity was very much, you know, in, in, in the sacraments of baptism or um, communion, you know, it's like, it's this recognition that no, we need each other. We, we, we take care of each other. We are each other's salvation. We, the church began with people caring for orphans and wid widows and, and, and the church being the people that, that reached out and put other people's needs ahead of their own. It, it wasn't about individualism and it wasn't about, you know, just me pulling myself up on my bootstraps. It was recognizing that God's love was paramount, that Jesus is Lord, and together we're going to do the best we can to bring other people into that understanding of healing and, and forgiveness and grace. So, Partially, I think this is also exposing the Americanization of our faith and kind of the bastardization of the, the foundational principle of Jesus, which doesn't have anything to do with a flag or a nation. It has to do with, uh, with love, with sacrificial love. And simply selflessness. I mean, really, yep. that's what can I do to be selfless during this time, even though it's really hard to do. Yeah. Jesus never said this was going to be easy. That's right. That's so. It, and it's, you, might, you might lose your life in the, in the process of taking care of other people. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of the reality of it. Yeah. So I hope that, you know, all of us can be a part of the healing and the mending and the building of trust. But I think it is going to take a deep breath and listening to people and listening past the fear, past the politicization, past, past the, the anxiety and, and really connecting at a human level with how are we going to get through this? Uh, and isn't this scary? And isn't this weird? Because none of us have done this before. And it's, uh, it's troubling. Um, if we can connect there, then maybe we can start to build, build some healing. What else? Yeah. That was good, Paul. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, the liquid theology must be kicking in. So we're, um, you guys want to hang out? We'll just we'll cover another topic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, why not? Yes.